You know how like like when it's just you drinking and then you're like, yeah. oh man, there's no way I drank that much of that this weekend. Mm-hmm. Did I ever? T- so I told you at the time I was at a poker game and I took a bottle of Michter's. Oh, um, bourbon. Yes, excellent and stuff. Turns out most of the guys there were just drinking beer, but when I showed up, like some of the people had like their drinks there. I think there were like six or seven of us playing, and uh-huh. um, and I put the bottle like over on the bar, like in the basement bar at this house, and uh, yeah, I said I was like, yeah, no, I brought this bottle. If you want some, just feel free to help yourself, like you know. And yeah, I got up a few times guessed, to refill yeah. my drink, and. I got it maybe the fourth or fifth time to to pour another one. And we've been playing for several hours. Like yeah. It was down like like 50%, 60% of the bottle was gone. And <laughs> I didn't see anyone else. Like, <laughs> have I had half a bottle of bourbon in one? Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now, how does this much money move every single day and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business are going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. And welcome back to yet another episode, yet another presentation of Drunkenomics. This is the drinking podcast with an economics problem. So glad you all can join us. Hopefully you have a nice stiff one in front of you, unless of course you're about to drive somewhere. Then in that case, wait till you get to where you're going, wait till you're done driving for the day before you join us with that uh, stiff drink in front of you. But uh, with all that said, thank you so much for drinking along with us. I, for the I don't know how manyth time this year, would like to welcome us all back as the more gracious host. My name is Aaron Wong. I am drinking a Barrel Strength Manhattan right now. It is absolutely excellent. I love Barrel Strength Rye very much. And of course, I'm joined alongside my favorite person to drink Manhattans with in only one hour away from me is, uh, what was your name again? Finally. Yeah. James Goldwater, only one hour away. Still mm-hmm. less gracious. For it's but we've so we're in the forty fifth week of the year and we've taken two weeks off so out of forty three weeks I think you've been more gracious for thirty eight of them at least I I think so too <laughs> and the only reason was because one Joe Burrow let you down that one time he really did yeah and then the other bet we had was the ten year like when it crossed above four percent like. Uh, the ten yield when it crossed about four percent, did we think it was gonna you know go back down? Which was weird because like we made this bet when the ten year yield was at like four point zero zero one four, so it just crossed above that four percent threshold, and we we're like, is it gonna go back down below four, or is it gonna stay above? Four? And then sure enough, sure as shit, it stayed above four percent the whole time, and that's for the rest of the month, and that's I, th- I think wasn't that one of the bets that made you more gracious? It was. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But for now, uh, this week, it's because of the VIX. The VIX that uh, we invested so much power in for some reason is below 15. Uh, What was the figure that it was at again? 1481. That's right. Ah, that's right. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I I just, that's, I mean, I I guess if you look at how equity markets have performed uh, in the last week, yeah, I guess it makes sense as to why, you know, people aren't rolling over their options contracts from, from the week before. But before I get any further down this rabbit hole, uh, I want you guys all to know that none of this is financial advice. Nothing we say on this episode, on any of the other episodes, can be thought or viewed as our 
as our employer's opinions. These are our opinions alone and all, all the opinions that we express on this uh, on this episode, on this platform are gathered by publicly available information. Nothing we say, uh, nothing we, we yeah, nothing's nothing's embargoed, nothing's private. Yeah, nothing's embargoed. Nothing's inside information. Um, um, this is all stuff that you can you can go to cnbc.com or Bloomberg or whatever, and we'll usually cite our sources too. But of course, if we don't cite our sources and you're wanting to know, hey, where did you get this figure? You can always track us down at Drunkenomical. That's D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-A-L. That's us on threads, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, and of course, on X Twitter. Twitter. I'm just going to say Twitter. X Twitter. Whatever it's called this week. If it's still up. <laughs> Oh, it's still. And of course, from there, uh, you can find the invite to the Discord, which mm-hmm. is open to all, always free. free. It's where most of us. It's where it's where we hang out. It's that's where we generally get the most interaction with guy with with people with yeah. the econoholics and the drinkonomists out there. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I want to say some stuff about our Discord, but first, um, I also want to talk about like the Vix. Like, let's be honest. You know, like I don't know if you like being less gracious. I think to an extent, it's easier. It's easier, but I feel like to an extent, the VIX being below fifteen and and the the way the VIX is behaved, I don't know if it's just like the traders or the investors just kind of got used to this this volatility, and because of that, they've they've kind of figured out like I, I don't know, like how how to not yeah be so exposed to the options and derivatives market. I, I don't know. I, I would like the VIX. So the VIX is a is a very good measure of like essentially fear. Or yeah, um, really. expectation of a downturn or protection against a downturn. I would like to see more people. That's not fair. I wouldn't like to see it. <laughs> I would like the people who are keeping the VIX so low, the traders, the people who are going, no, bet long, bet long. It's fine. We don't see a downturn. I want them to explain their, yeah. um, their optimism, their extremely strong bull um, feelings. And if they can elucidate a point or points that make sense, then I go, you know what? Actually, yeah. That's fair. I get it. Yeah, I, I would understand, but I don't because I see too many headwinds. I mean, what was well, it? Uh, like credit card delinquencies? What was it? Uh, yeah, credit yeah. card balances spike in the third quarter. They're now a record one point zero eight trillion. Well, it, dude, so I don't know if you US. saw on on Instagram, but uh, one of our uh, Chris Schausel, uh, Chris, uh, I'm sorry for saying uh, if I'm saying your last name, mm-hmm. but a uh, uh, guy that's in our Discord, guy that follows us on Instagram, uh, love the conversations that we have with you. Uh, sorry for the late reply, yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, did you see what he sent in our in our DMs? Uh, you know, it was that CNBC chart of the day talking about delinquencies on U.S. credit card loans are are really starting to jump up. They're now at two point seven seven percent. Yeah, no, and, that, that, and that's see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is we're going into the holiday season. We're going into uh, that time of year where consumer spending really, I mean, aside from all the rest of the year when it drives the US economy, but when consumer spending really drives earnings and everything else for these, for, for a lot of firms. Yeah. And we're, and we already are, we're record credit card debt and delinquencies are starting to, um, to rise yeah. in a way that makes me go, no one's seeing this. It's, it's like they're, it's like they see the train in the yeah. railroad tracks ahead. They see the boom gates are down. Well, you're also leaving out one like, more thing. Oh. You're leaving out one more thing. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. No, so. what am I leaving out? Delinquencies up, debt like debt levels all time high. Interest rate levels, mm. average interest rate levels on U.S. credit card uh, from commercial banks. All right, it's so it's so much. High. I mean, like normally, if, you know, just talking about like the last five years, uh, you know, like the, the average interest rate has been around you know fourteen and a half, fifteen percent. Now it's at twenty 
1.19%. Yeah, it's crossed, it crossed 20%. So, so that's, uh, you know, th- th- those three ingredients, you know, it's, it, it, they paint that picture of what you were saying earlier with the train. Uh, yeah. I, I forget. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> like, it's, your, it's, it's, so you're approaching that intersect, you're approaching a, a railroad crossing and like the boom gates are still up, but you can hear the train horn. You can see the train coming. Brains naturally do a little bit of calculus and they determine like, well, like, can I beat the train? And the answer is always, no, you can't beat the train. Well, because if you're wrong, you know, there's, yeah. you don't beat the train. Like, right. There's, there's always that no. question of like, when I'm, when I'm out riding my bike and I'm riding in the road, people are, you know, and I take some risks. I, I don't deny that. Oh yeah. But people will ask me and they're like, sure, they're like, yeah. why don't you like, they're like, why do you do this or that? And I'm like, oh, well, who's right in this situation? And they're like, well, you have right of way. And I was like, yeah, but that car was going either way, right? And they're yeah. like, yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah. it doesn't really matter who's right. That weighs several tons. I weigh 200 pounds. Yeah. Like, I will not win yeah. that So fight. if, like, if they think they're right and I think I'm right, they win, right? I'm not winning that battle. I'm not um, winning that battle. But, Hell, yeah. if they think they're wrong and they go for it, I'm not winning that battle, right? So it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm like, I, you know, it, it's it's very much like. Yeah. Well, so I I think I think to to kind of add something to what you said, like there are a lot of headwinds, and and I agree with you. Like the this is well, this. I guess it's not headwinds. That's more like, yeah, headwinds when we consider like if it's just two dimensional. I would say like the I would say credit card debt is. A storm's a brewing. Okay, yeah, fair enough. But at the same time, like on the flip side, if you look at the other side, GDP numbers look pretty good. Yep. Employment data looks okay. It looks better than expected, but this, you know, the most recent. Yeah, we had 150,000. Yeah, non-farm payrolls. New new, new payroll. Yeah, non-farm payrolls that came out last Friday for the month of October were, were not as good as expected, but GDP numbers were good. So that, and then if you look at the equity markets and the performance, I think what really spearheaded the performance, and this is in the middle of like a Fed week last week. So the two things I think that mm-hmm. spearheaded this was there was a lot of reluctancy. You know, if you listen to like the to Jerome Powell's speech, there's a lot of reluctancy to want to hike one more time, seemingly, right? Like he's not, it's not off the table, but when he talked about the possibility of another rate hike between now and January, Whenever the I think it's the end of the month in January is the the first meeting of the year. Like whenever yeah. he talked about the possibility of the rate hike, he did not seem optimistic. He seemed like it was like it's an option. It's totally an option, but uh, it's probably not going to happen. You know, he didn't obviously didn't say it's not going to yeah. happen, but like you know, I, I think it's that he has to he has to warn. He has to say like, yeah, no, it's an option, guys. Like I, I do unfortunately feel like he's the teacher with like a he's like the the high school teacher with a bunch of seniors who's like yeah, yeah. me requiring a final is an option like yeah stop fucking around exactly like yeah so that's a, that's a good point but like on the, at the same time too like last week was also I think it wasn't the big week of earnings but I think Apple came out last week which is the biggest company in the entire world yep but it's bigger than some countries bigger than lots of uh, bigger than most countries um so. You know, there's like 196 sovereign nations in the in, in the world. Apple, if you just look at like market cap, or if you just look at their cash balance sheet, is literally bigger than half of those countries. But anyways, so so like last week was the last big week of 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 the earnings season, the last earnings season of the year, which really f- reflects back on uh, how how these companies did in the third quarter. And if you just look at these mega cap companies, lots of cash, right? Lots of you know. Just from an earnings standpoint, they're doing well. I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that uh, a lot of these companies did lay off 
workers earlier this year. Um, but there's certainly just if you look at the the profits, if you look at their if you look at their cash flow, I mean these these companies are doing pretty well, which could justify the price action of the S and P 500. But I also want to think back even further, right? So 2018. If you look at the price to earnings ratio for a lot of these mega cap companies, they're at about half of what they are now. So the forward PE in 2018 for these mega cap companies, and I forget what the figure is, but the figure was around 17 or 19 or something like that. And if you look at the forward PE for a lot of these mega cap companies now, they're at around 36-ish, right? 36 times forward hmm. PEs, which leads me to ask. So, so doubling up. Yeah. So that's almost, it's almost twice as much. But- it makes it makes me wonder because like okay, if all of a sudden the forward PE comes down a little bit, but then they have a great earnings cycle, like if the, if the earnings if the forward PE comes down to like thirty two, thirty three, which I think it was after the September sell off, if it comes down to that level and all of a sudden they they have a good earnings cycle, does it still justify a forward PE ratio of twice as much of what it was back in twenty eighteen? And I think the answer to that is no. We can agree on that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I let's put it this way. I certainly. Have, I, I haven't seen a company double its value in five years or double its potential future earnings like that. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and that also leads me to wonder, okay, so if, if the market is still justifying, obviously, if you just look at the, the price action of the, the, these mega cap companies this last week, if the mm-hmm. market is still justifying these levels, these trading multiples, that has to make you, you know, just as an investor, it has to make you wonder. Does Apple, does Google, does Facebook, do, do, do all these mega cap, you know, the magnificent seven companies that, that have really spearheaded the growth <laughs> of this, like these companies, do, uh, seriously, like do, do these companies have twice, do, do they actually have twice as much potential growth wise? Like there's a future growth. Is it actually twice as much or is it worth twice as much as what it was in 2018? I'm, not, I'm asking it kind of weird. No, um, uh, no, you're not. I, I don't think you are. I, I, like, the question, like the question I'm hearing is: is have do companies have twice as far? Do they have twice as much poten- earning potential now versus what they had five years ago? Yeah. And well, t- in terms of like gobbling up uh, market share and, and things like that, and, go, and tapping into you know emerging markets and whatever it is, right? Do they, is there is there twice as much potential there than in, yeah. in 2018? Yeah. Is there is there twice as much market out there? Yeah. As they had five years ago, because basically, or twice, uh, you know, twice as much. Yeah, just growth. because basically, yeah, the PE, the market is saying yes, but yeah, you know, like well, so, and so clearly, the, clearly, the investor is saying yeah, they do. I, I, I don't know where. I, I don't know from where. It's 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 like where you get like the Amazons of the world and the Googles of the world, and they're like, oh well, we'll move into Amazon. Oh, we'll move into China, and I'm like, well, Alibaba's got that pretty well covered. So and, where are you going to go next? Because it's it's not Africa. They don't have the. As, as a continent, well, there isn't the infrastructure. Uh, uh, well, so it's not yeah, Russia. Yeah. Well, so Alibaba's got China covered. Also, you know, not not being not being glib, President Xi also has China covered. So that's you know. true. And I'll be honest with you, not in a great way. Not in a great way. Not in a way that justifies <laughs> twice two times as much. You know, in terms of price. In, in many ways, trading multiple, uh, twice the trading multiple. I was to say, in many ways, Xi's coverage of China might maybe go. Let's ease that back a little bit, boys and girls. Let's let's go with let's lower our PE expectations. Because yeah. uh, have you seen what he's doing? Exactly, exactly. And that was kind of the argument for a while, you know, especially with Apple, especially with Apple. Um, but like Amazon and everything else, like these magnificent seven companies, part of what justified this trading multiple that was twice as much as what it was back in 2018. Part of it was China, 
and the fact that it's emerging the way it has been the last 30 years up until about three years ago. But up until about COVID, I would say, yeah. um, to be fair, they've massaged their numbers. We know they've massaged their numbers. Mm-hmm. Then you got COVID and between COVID, Xi consolidating power. Yeah. You suddenly have this whole like whole new China that I think we need to bring a, a yeah. whole new perspective in because it's very clear that growth will not be occurring just for the sake of growth, that 5% is no longer a guaranteed expectation or an expected target. Right. And that if um, a firm is growing in such a way or taking over um, a market in such a way that Xi believes that it might be a threat to him, that firm yeah. is targeted. And um, laws are made to um, damage that growth. And that's to say nothing of their real estate sector, which as oh I don't my know gosh, yeah. all of you remember I mean- is... Um, not doing great. No, not at all. Uh, that's put it, a, put it mildly. That's yeah. That's putting it very mildly. But yeah, like I, to me, you know, I, I, I know that earnings are strong, and I, and I'm, I'm not stupid. I mean, not smart, but I'm not stupid. I can look at the, you know, the earnings data and be like, wow, this is this is pretty promising. I can understand the price action. But then you look at the trading multiple, and I'm like, whew, like that's still like historically speaking a super high trading multiple. So I'm not saying that it's unjustified because maybe maybe the market's correct. Maybe maybe I'm I'm missing something. Maybe maybe the growth potential for Apple yeah. currently is worth twice as much as what it was back in 2018. And same for Google and same for like the broader mega cap companies in the S P five hundred. Yeah, no, so, it's it's possible. I'm not yeah, sure so I'm not sure I believe it, but it's possible. I exactly. It's it's definitely let's just leave it at that. <laughs> it's definitely possible. But uh yeah, with that, um some of the things that uh I wanted to talk about too in terms of uh in terms of our Discord commentary. We did was, have some fun um, ones. So so for Buffalo Bob, you're right. When I said that the boomer generation is selfish, I'm not I'm not saying that that's one of their it's the it's a personality trait of the generation as a whole. What I meant is the boomer generation has voted extremely selfishly um, oh, in yeah. a way that I think has damaged the uh, economic and um, uh, political positions of the of the following generations in a way that and it's yeah. been able to do it because it's the it's the it's the big stack bully in a poker game. It's it was the largest single voting block as a whole. That's less true. In fact, that's not true anymore. Now it's actually the millennial generation. So my generation. What yeah. will be very fun. Um, and Aaron's generation as well, I think. I'm in your generation, uh, but what I think. will be very I'm, interesting I'm, yeah, to see te- is... Technically millennial, so, yeah. Yeah. What will be interesting to see is what happens is if the millennial generation decides that it's going gonna, it's gonna to vote as a monolith in a similar way, because um, yeah. it'll be interesting just to see what those issues might be. And then, um, yeah. yeah, just uh, what, what that does to I mean, yeah. poor Gen X, right? Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll say the this. biggest. I'll say this first. First and foremost, Bob. Hope you're doing well. Uh, hope you're drinking some good scotch yeah. and rum. And uh, oh, I know you are. I, I know. I, I know Bob. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Bob is all. Bob is just. Anybody that knows Buffalo, Bob knows that he's just a freaking awesome time to be around, and uh, has great taste in in rum and cigars and in uh, and, and, and women. Anyway. You've met his wife. Yeah. Oh, Liz. Liz is absolutely amazing. <laughs> Liz um, is fantastic. Yeah. So. <laughs> So yeah, hope hope all is well with you, man. Uh, love hearing from you all the time. Any, however, I get to hear from you, I'm always happy. But uh, I think what James Absolutely. meant, yeah, you know, and I know you pretty well, so I don't want to put words in your mouth. But I think what you meant was like was essentially what Bob was saying, right? Like the political class was very selfish, and I think that's fair, right? Oh I think yeah, the politi- I think the political class in our generation is extremely selfish too. Like it's well, always a political class. 
But yeah. I mean, more than that, I, I do mean I do mean as voters. I mean, like at the voting block when when presented with the option of, hey, this will benefit you. And it's like, great, I'm in. It's like it will yeah. hurt people behind you. Great. I'm in. It'll benefit. But me, I'll be benefiting. Right. I'm yeah. In. Well, now, and, 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 I'm not I, saying that that's necessarily not what other people would do. Yeah. But, but I don't necessarily think that they voted with the intent of like of like this will hurt. Like they, I don't think they voted knowing or with the conscious like awareness of this will hurt the next generation. They're just kind of like. Well, they'll figure no. it out. Like, they, like it was just like the, the next generation will yeah, figure it no. out, or like the younger. I absolutely agree that there that it was done with a. Um, well, uh, essentially, it was done with. It's good for me. I'm sure it'll be fine later. That's but the problem yeah, for me yeah. is that when is that is that later when presented with, hey, it's not fine. Uh, you need to start behaving. Uh, you need to start voting for things a little more responsibly. They kept electing people that were going to go, hey, look, I'll just keep the benefits flowing to you. And the other stuff will be other people's problem because we'll all be it yeah. won't be our issue. It'll be someone else's. And, they, and they, as a yeah. generation, as a voting group, as a voting block, they were fine with that. Yeah. And are fine with that. And so, yeah, well, and, and, and as we kind of move forward too, like right now. You know, I'm jumping forward way too, way too far. Just to, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm getting more and more awkward with these transitions. But at the same time, it's as true, I'm transitioning, go. like I'm pouring myself another scotch. So switching over, by the way. So earlier I was drinking that barrel proof, which by the way, mm-hmm. barrel proof generally means like 55% alcohol. So I was drinking that barrel proof Manhattan. Now I'm uh, switching over to that uh, Isla scotch. Bob, you'd be so proud of me. Okay. So, yeah. But uh, kind of want to shift gears over to like Fed action this week. If you guys watch CNBC, which I understand, you know, like CNBC is kind of annoying nowadays. But it's a little bit, yeah, yeah. But sometimes, but, sometimes in the wee hours when it's European squawk box or yeah. Asian market or Asian squawk box or Capital Connection, sometimes mm-hmm. in the wee hours of the morning, some really interesting stuff comes out. Oh yeah, but also every time. There's a Fed day, right? They have an interview with Jeff Gunlock, who's a billionaire, yep. fixed income investor. And if you listen to his insights, they're, they're, it's wild, right? So just to kind of like jump to the point here, uh, the Fed, they, they came out with their interest rate decision last week on Wednesday. And they pretty much just said, we're holding rates right here. They're not raising them. They're not lowering them. And I think I think markets kind of reacted positively to that. You know, I I know Chris, uh, uh, same guy that slid into our DMs on Instagram, asked, "I don't understand the stock market. How did we hear that GDP was high and think that the Fed won't be able to do? Think that the Fed won't do anything?" And I think it kind of comes down to, you know, the reason why the stock market did perform the way it did last week. And you know, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but the Fed is kind of avoiding that hawkish tone now. And to the Fed's defense, there's a little bit there's reason behind it. You know, drive numbers are starting to look uh, to to reflect you know more of what they they were trying to accomplish. They're still they're still increasing and they're still increasing huge, but they're but they've missed the mark. Now, granted, yeah. they blew the mark away for September. Yeah. So you know, is there a reflection there? Yeah, probably. So is that is if we average the two months, it still blew out the expectations. Yeah, um, I think I think we're starting to see like so. I mean, kind of to reanswer the question that I asked last week, and if you don't remember, last week I asked two questions, which I think are are kind of important for inve- like the you know the overall market outlook, which is one: have we mm-hmm. or have we not reached terminal rate, or will we reach you know the, the terminal rate in the next two months, right by by the end of January? Uh, will the Fed reach their their terminal Fed funds rate? And when I say terminal, I mean is this the peak, right? Is this you know is it only down from there? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to answer that question, I think, yeah, I, I think between now and January, we, we will see a peak in interest rates. I don't know if there's going to be a hike in, in December. I don't know if there's going to be a hike in January. And then two, the other question is, will the Fed lower rates in 2024? And I think the answer to that is increasingly becoming yes. I don't, I don't, I still don't think, I don't want to walk back what I said last week. And even Jeff Gunlock said that he thinks that there will be an interest rate reduction in 2024. Um, I still am not convinced yet. That's just me. And I could be an idiot and I could walk back what I said next week. I'm just going to, fair warning, I'm data dependent too. Okay. Just like the Federal Reserve, I'm also data dependent. But. So yeah, so I just think you know, there's just the update. That's just the update for the two questions that I asked last week. Um, am I right to assume that you're on board with me so far on that? Yeah, what I'll say is, uh, so for me, it's um, will we reach terminal rate by January? My my guess is now yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably where I was last last week, but now it's yeah, we'll be there by then. And then yeah. will we um, will we see a rate reduction in 2024? At present, no. I'll say no, but. Uh, percentage you, chance percentage chance of this are making me think eh, okay. I, I can see every i can see something that may be the reason a reason to lower rates yeah so i could see a few because i also think the third question i like to throw into this this cocktail of questions that I, i'm probably going to ask every week for the rest of the year but go on yeah <laughs> okay you said so you said it man you, you, you said it man but I uh, did. I, I think one of the questions we need to start considering is, are we currently in a recession or are we going to see a recession in the next two quarters? So I mean, from now until next June, are we going to see a recession? Now, I'm not saying a deep, hard recession, just a recession. So I, I think, you know, to answer the first two questions, that's a question that we have to think about. And there are a bunch of data points I don't think that we're in a recession, but I, I'm starting to no. believe, you know, with the credit card debt looming mm-hmm. like this, and, you know, as we kind of spend through the holiday seasons, I'm starting to think that we could be one very soon. I mean, this is a this is a storm that's been brewing for a long time, and it's starting to accelerate. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't get to $1.08 trillion in credit card debt. Um, so you don't set a record high credit card debt in... 25 year high interest rate environment and think yeah that's nothing like like if credit card debt was high but interest rates were were decreasing i would say well yeah and that makes that makes sense like you 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 feel free to borrow more money as interest rates go down because the money's less expensive i.e supply is greater but as interest rates have increased and the borrowing has continued to increase that speaks to something that speaks to something else something more um more problematic and damaging in the economy as a whole. Would some say vicious? Absolutely, it's a vicious cycle. It's, <laughs> it's basically, um, yeah, no, we're, we're absolutely sitting in a vicious cycle. Nice. Um, like as Fat vicious. Bastard would say, he eats because he's unhappy, and he's unhappy because he eats. Um, <laughs> but, that's, but that's basically, I mean, we, we know that a lot of credit card debt has been driven by the consumption of like household necessities. So increases in food prices and, yeah. and, and fuel and energy costs have driven a mm-hmm. lot of that, which again, as we've harped on, is, is, is not a good thing, right? No, so yeah. it's... And we talked about this for a long time when egg prices were up and chicken prices were up, that a lot of mm-hmm. American households, how do they pay for that? You know, because that's a part of their weekly grocery bill. They had to yep. take on more credit card debt. And I think, you know, even at a higher level, like I don't necessarily think 
if you just look at like the fiscal responsibility of this country, you know, and I understand like at the individual consumer level, it's scary, you know, absolutely. Interest levels, super high debt levels, super high delinquencies are, are really creeping up. It's they're not super high. They're not high like 2008, but they're, they're the highest they've been in the last five years. I think I could be a little bit off on that. Um, but they're they're certainly creeping up. They're, they're, they're if you look at the direction that it's going, and it's not it's not good. Yeah, yeah no, it really, it's it's uh yeah, it really proves that the, the storm is accelerating. But if you look at like on on the federal debt level, right? If you bring it up to oh yeah, U.S. Treasuries, right? Interest expense is is already at record highs at that level. It, you know, so mm-hmm. us taxpayers, not only do we have to pay our credit card debt, but we have to pay the interest on you know for, for government debt like how else how else do they pay for you know a five percent loan you know they it's tax receipts you know? yeah that's that's what pays for this stuff so if you look at interest expense you know with the with what fed policy has done over the last um two years let's just say i'm just going to round it up to two years but interest expense of federal debt if the fed funds rate stays at this level at, at five five and a quarter five and a half level Interest expense on federal debt is going up by hundreds of billion dollars a day. You know. Oh yeah. Well, that begs the question. And, and to be fair, Bob, not Buffalo Bob, uh, but Bob texted me, and we were. I need to get back to him on this, but uh, texted me, and it essentially was a it was asked me a, a thought experiment to say what should the U.S. debt portfolio be in terms of um, length of loans, and uh, you know how how, duration, how many thirty years, how many, yeah, in terms yeah. of duration. And it was a really, actually, I was walking into my office. I was actually in the stair. I was walking up the stairs in, in my office um, as, I, as I was reading that text. And all I could think of myself was, that's a really good question. And with interest rates doing what they're doing, I'm like, man, I really want a lot of 5, 10, and 30-year, like a lot of long-term stuff from yeah. a government. If I'm the government issuing this debt perspective, I want a lot of long-term stuff and a lot of very short-term stuff. But issuing one, two, like one, two and five year, like one, two, one year, two year, three year notes. I'd be like, man, those are going to kill you just because. Yeah. I, I mean, so, so know, are you talking about as a buyer, as, as a buyer of, of fixed income insurance? No, as the, as the, as the Fed, as, oh, as, as the treasury, as the issuer of the debt. Yeah. Uh, oh, as a, a buyer of the debt. Yeah. You're uh, having a field day. You don't care what it is. I, 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 no, gobble, I, gobble, I, gobble, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I, I, like, I think you're right. Well, the, so the, the nice thing about the yield curve now is that it's not as inverted as it was earlier this year. I don't want to say it's flat, mm-hmm. um, but it, yeah, it's not nearly as inverted, you know, like between the twos and tens or whatever it is. Like, I don't think it's nearly as inverted, but I also think, you know, as, as a buyer of fixed income instruments, like with, like, let's be honest, right? With the Fed commentary that we saw, and we'll see what the dot plot comes, like the dot plot is going to yeah. come out in what, like early December or something like that. So yeah, about three we'll, weeks. we'll see. Yeah. So we'll see a little bit more data w- w- once that comes out. But I also think like, because of the lack of hawkish tone, I don't want to say there was a dovish tone, but because of the lack of hawkish tone from Wednesday, I certainly don't think there's a bad place to hide out anywhere in the yield curve. Uh, I, you know, I just think from, from a risk perspective, if you want to go, you know, between like AAA rated to C rated, you know, be, between that perspective, that's a much more difficult question to answer. Um, but I think anywhere in the yield curve right now, this is it. If this is the terminal rate, if this is the peak in Fed interest rate, and if they do lower in 2024, which I think the possibility of that is going to increase as we finish the year out, if they do lower, like seriously, is there a bad spot anywhere in the yield curve if they lower interest rates I, in twenty twenty four? No, not not if you're already holding. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, if you got I, them at that. Yeah, the only not bad if you got them at the fantastic. Yeah, at the fantastic discounts that they were that they were trading at. You know. Yeah, the only I think the only bad spot on the yield curve is like two, the, you know, the two year and shorter duration. But at the same time, oh, from prior, from yeah. lower, from lower. Well, yeah, just periods. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that would be like the only bad spot to hide out on. But it's not even bad. Like you're still you're buying a two. If you buy a two year bond, you're still getting a five percent yield. You know, or like what four and a half percent yield. So even then, it's like there's still like there's still no bad spot on the yield curve. It's just like if you want a much more drastic price appreciation, you should probably go a little bit longer on the yield curve. Uh, but if you like the coupon payment, you know nothing nothing wrong with the uh, nothing wrong with the uh, the front end of the curve too. Not financial advice, of course, but. I think I think that's super interesting. And on top of that, like one of the really interesting things that Jeff Gunlock said in his Fed Day interview was 50% of the treasury supply is going to mature in the next three years. Yeah. If Fed funds rates stay here at five and a quarter to five and a half percent, and these treasury, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, and 50% are, are mature. So literally all like of US treasuries out there, 50% of them, which I don't even know what the total notional dollar amount of U.S. treasuries that are out there floating, it's got to be trillions of dollars. But if 50% of trillions of dollars matures in the next three years and they have to reissue new debt, which they're going to, like... 23.9 trillion. In U.S. Tre- in treasuries out there? Yeah. All right, so let's call it 24 trillion. So 12 trillion matures in the next three years. They're probably going to roll it over because that's what they do. What else do they do with it? You'd have uh, to, yeah. Yeah, you absolutely. Odds are you you have to. I'm sorry. So, hang on. Uh, as of September, the updated number, uh, 25.7 yeah. trillion. Okay, 26 trillion. 26. So 13 trillion. Tack another trillion on there. Yeah, so 13 trillion ex- matures in the next three years, right? So you, now you're talking about $13 trillion worth of U.S. government debt that is going to be rolled over at five and a quarter to five and a half percent interest rates when interest expenses are already going up at all time, at, at like record levels, right? So if it does stay at this level for the next three years, the last thing we want is for interest expense to reach what is about the level of our national deficit, which is about two trillion. Yeah. You know? Well, so th- th- this doesn't really solve the problem, but it does really solve the problem in that. The main holder of U.S. Treasuries is still the U.S. is still the actual the U.S. government. Yeah, so Social Security is the big one. Social Security, uh, municipalities, yeah, then, they, other, yeah, then other, principali- then other, yeah. principalities, other uh, municipalities, M- and then, yeah, um, mean, yeah. but then also like other federal agencies also will, yeah. will put money into it. And so, so you know, could it all be? Yeah. Is it all going to be paid out at once? Probably not. Having said that, yeah, rolling over thirteen trillion dollars at five percent. Fine, rolling over ten trillion dollars at five percent. That's still disa- not disastrous, but it's still it's a very expensive rollover yeah. for lack of any kind of balanced budget, deficit paying, like debt paying, like yeah. governance that we haven't seen in you know twenty three years at this point. Yeah, so, yeah, and you know one of the things that Jeff Gunlock said in this interview too is like that would be around fifty percent of tax receipts, right? So can you imagine every single dollar that you pay in tax? 50% of that is literally going to interest on US government debt. Yep. Like picture that. Like yeah. that, that's that's a that's a horrible well, picture. That's a horrible illustration. It is. It, it it tells me it tells me one of one of three things really needs to happen, right? So, um well, one of one of two really or um or a combination of the two 
if we just focus on it from a tax perspective. You either need to increase tax tax receipts, decrease spending, or both. Yeah, which I mean, I, I think goes along a little bit further into you know what was said. So I love these Jeff, I love these Jeff Gunlock Fed Day interviews. These movies are so insightful. But right now, if you look at U.S. liabilities and U.S. assets, they're almost mm-hmm. at the same levels. Which from a balance sheet perspective is not a good thing. You no. want equity, not no. not liability. Yeah, exactly. So, it, like, it, which basically means if if everything were sold at the current price levels, and it's 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 kind of like a margin call, right? It's like if everything were sold yeah. at the current levels, you would be able to satisfy your debt, but barely. Yeah, we'd break even. Yeah, which you know, it's better than not being able to. But boy, is it yeah. what is it in um in in the movie margin call um. Uh, be first, be smarter, or cheat. Right. I don't yeah. cheat. And as much as I think we've got a lot of smart people in this building, it sure is a hell of a lot easier to just, just be, be first. first. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so in this in this situation, yeah, it's it's yeah, we're smart. Like we haven't blown it yet, but it's a hell of a lot easier than all this to just not find ourselves in this position to not right to, to be out of it. Yeah. If only but, we could be so lucky. But at this point, at this juncture, this basically means. You know, with U.S. liabilities almost equal to assets, either interest rates need to go down because if if they stay where they are, liabilities are creeping up by billions of dollars a day. Yeah, right? especially and especially as these treasuries mature and then either oh, get rolled yeah. over, they get rolled over to a much higher interest rate, which means that the liabilities Keep, what was in balance isn't anymore. They just they spike. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then now there's you know it's not a discrepancy, but what do you call it when it what would you call that? Is, is there a vocab word for that? When all of a sudden the value of something just pops up because of a rollover or a mature? Oh yeah. um, I don't know if there you is. Know, I would say it's, I don't think there is. I don't think there is a vocab word for it. I'd say it's, it's just suddenly you're you're you go from being like yeah I can break even to you're underwater. Is yeah. what it is. Um, so that's a scary thing. In other words, interest rates probably like I really don't like Jeff Gunlock scared me a little bit in this interview just because I feel like if they do. If interest rates do stay at this level, which I think to an extent they kind of need to, but yeah. I also think they like, need to for the economy. It's a problem for the uh, the debt situation in this country. Well, I don't necessarily think they need and to for the economy. I think what they need they need to stay at this level for inflation. You know, which, which is for which, me that's the economy. Okay, like if you let fine, inflation yeah. get out of control, the economy the economy will suffer. Um, right, but I also don't want to play this interest rate game where uh, like you literally lower interest rates. Like he's projecting like a 200 basis point decrease in inter- in uh, in the Fed funds rate in the next year because of this problem right here. Like basically, he's saying interest rates either need to go down or the deficit needs to go down. Neither of which are, are like neither of which want to budge. So yeah, no. I, I think I think then that's I, yeah. Well, I think the instrument that has a bigger chance of budging is interest rates. I don't like. I don't think any administration ever wants to, to, to reduce spending. They all, I don't care which political party that you're a part of, like they all like to spend yeah, money. Yeah, no, but it, n- neither, like I said, it's been, it's been, tw- it's, let's just say it's 2024. It's been 24 years. Well, let me rephrase that. It's been 24 years. We've had 12 years of democratic presidents. We've had 12 years of uh, Republican presidents. We've had Congresses that flip-flop between the two, between majorities and supermajorities, all to one house to yeah. split to the other. And at no point, at no point have any of them, when they're in power, even remotely suggested that this something should be done about the debt, that uh, we need to address the deficit. Well, uh, they, they do, do it when they're in the minority. When they're out of power, they're more than happy to talk about the deficit. Yeah, or when they're campaigning. More than happy to... Or they're campaigning. Oh, yeah. Because that, that, that's a good... Like, I, I would, if someone talked about 
addressing the deficit, I'd be interested in voting for them personally. Right? I hear what they have to say. But, and the next thing is when yeah. they get to when they get there and they don't do anything, I conclude <laughs> that either they if they if they come back two or six year, two four or six years later, depending on which job they want to have again, and they're giving me the same spiel and they didn't put anything through or sign anything or, or, or didn't really try to yeah. address it, I'm going to go. I've heard this song and dance before, and yeah. unlike cats. I'm not interested in this musical a second time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, what is going to end up giving. And I think the reason why Jeff Gunlock is making a, p- a good point here is interest rates are probably going to be the first one to go. Right. Which I'm, you know. Yeah. I'm not happy about they're, they're it. They're the fastest to change. Yeah. I- I'm not happy about it. I mean, but there is still a lag effect. Right. You know, I think the broader economy is still acting like interest rates are at around 4%. So you know, the broader economy still has some catching up to do to, you know, f- to five and a half percent Fed funds rate. Additionally, I don't like this game of the Fed manipulating interest rates. I, I, we're becoming like Japan. Like It's like, as soon as there's a, there's a crisis, we, we do something about interest rates. We do something about the Fed funds rate. And I don't like that we can just do that. You know, I'd much rather have the Fed yeah. funds rate just be something that you can change once a year. I, I, I understand the need to change the Fed fund rate. I, I understand the need I to do meet. Too. I, I understand do the too. need yeah. for, it, for it to, and I know you do. I know that yeah. we, we both understand the need for it to be, because it's supposed to, this is a, the thing is the Fed funds rate is supposed to be like the ambulance to get you to the hospital. Yeah. And then the hospital being, you know, because that's monetary policy, but then, mm-hmm. um, then fiscal policy is supposed to treat the issue. It yeah. takes longer because it's it's also three up stages. The problem is the ambulance is the only thing I trust right now because the hospital is the politicians and that they are yeah. Oh my god! At best, they mean well. Um, at best, that's even a that's 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 even a stretch. Well, um, like I said, as at much best, I say, they mean well. Yeah. So, but I I just think that's really interesting, right? Like the the fact that yeah. the U.S. government is having this interest dilemma. You know, this interest expense crisis, which I think will be a crisis. This is, you know, on top of the credit card debt. So the U.S. consumer and the U.S. actual federal government are both going through this crisis of interest expense shooting through the roof and potentially getting out of hand in the next three years. Absolutely. For me, it's why it's why I'm very happy that the Fed is is semi-independent or independent, basically, of the federal government is that it's not it's that it's not the bank of the United States. Yeah. The, the 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 presidents the the Fed bank presidents and the FOMC so the, the Federal Open Market Committee um, can get together and they can do what they think is necessary yeah. even if it's politically unpopular even if it's well you know and like I said and I said this a million times this year I think Jerome Powell is doing an excellent job for the cards he's been dealt that has been a very unpopular opinion I totally understand that yeah. But, no, I think he's doing great. Yeah, I think he didn't do himself any favors with the cards he was dealing himself last year. Not, not but, at all. But he, but he had a lot of political eh. pressures, and like, oh yeah, literally, like when he, like when he became the chairman of the Federal Reserve, like every single decision he made, like he, he was getting threatened for his job. Remember, right? Like, remember 2018, 2019, when Donald Trump kept going, like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm, I'm about to fire this guy. I'm about to fire this, you know. And I think he was making the right decisions back then. I think he was, I think he was doing a good job then. And then he got dealt this, you know, this pandemic and it was like, we don't know how to react. And then they reacted, they overreacted in one direction and then now they're overreacting the other direction, which 
it's not unfair, right? Like it's well, yeah. If you don't know where you're, we, we had no idea how to how to respond to the pandemic, and then now because we overreacted in that response, to, to offset that, we kind of have to do this. But it, now it's creating this other issue. You know, like I said, U.S. government is is going through this crazy interest expense cycle, potentially vicious. We'll see. And then the U.S. consumer is also going through you know a, a super similar cycle. And I'm not trying to to like you know. I'm not trying to call Wolf here. I'm not trying to scare no, anybody. I, I, you know, for me, it's a, I think, I think that it, we're going to have to recognize that there are limits there, that there are constraints on, on spending. And when 70% of the U.S. economy is based on consumption yeah. and you run out of the medium with which you are able to acquire the things to consume, you know, the warning signs are out there, at least to me, high yep. interest rates, high credit card debt, student loan payments have returned. Jobs, the payrolls not being inc- not increasing at the same rates that they were expecting no, to. Yeah. GDP's up. Like at this point, it's okay. You know, some of some of the I, I guess I, I should have said this earlier, but some some of those jobs that are out that weren't that weren't part of new payrolls is because is because of the UAW strikes at other auto plants. Yeah, that's part of that. But the real thing is is when we say and and it's it's to your question from earlier. Ford mm-hmm. PEs have doubled in five years. The expectation the expectation of double of you know, these have doubled in five years from 2018 to now. Yeah, from the mega caps. Yeah, mega caps. But with all this turmoil and instability, and it begs the question of, you know, how do you expect that? You how is this realistic? Like some something here. Yeah, something's got to give. Yeah, and I hope, and I hope that when it gives, that the bodies don't hit the floor. To quote. Cool. Terrible song. It's a, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, was it disturbed? Uh, yeah. Drowning pool. Drowning oh, pool. Oh god, why did I think it was disturbed? I'm such an idiot. Okay, sorry. I swear I'm it's a rock early roll nerd. Midi, it's early mid knots. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I swear I'm a rock and roll nerd. Okay. But yeah. Anyways, I think that's kind of the looming question: is like, how is this still happening? We we were talking about this last year. The same exact thing: deficit, credit card debt at all time highs. We were talking about this last year, and I and we even mentioned, you know, with interest rates. Only going up, only going in one direction. It's not going to help the cause at all. Now interest rates seemingly don't have much room to go up with anymore because of you know at the federal level, uh, you know we're we're seeing interest expense accrue like crazy. So yeah, I, I think I think there's a, there's a, there could be a moment of reckoning. I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing. All I'm saying is as it's happening. You would certainly look fantastic in a Drunkonomics hoodie, which can be found at drunkonomics.myspreadshop.com. That's what it is. That's that's what it is. Whether you're gearing up for a Northern Hemisphere winter or a Southern Hemisphere summer, we've got the merch for you. Yeah. We have the finest hoodies, the finest beanies, the finest. Yes. Uh, I don't even know. What else do you wear? Sweaters? If you don't that's want sweat- the hood, I'm- you can have all that for the cold. But if you're just gearing up for Suns Out, Guns Out down in Oz or for other our mm-hmm. other southern hemisphere listeners then grab that golf polo grab that grab that hat keep the sun out of your eyes keep your so you can keep your eyes on the on the prize on the market so you don't they don't slip away from you yeah we've absolutely. got it all yeah seriously I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure here's the thing if you're if you're expecting kids or you're or you have friends oh, that are i'm pretty yeah. sure we still have i'm pretty sure we still have baby uh baby Dude, bibs babe. i oh, don't yeah. know that it's appropriate but uh, i'm gonna have to win it and uh, I think cares? it's a, that's what it was like. Make that the coolest baby in the crib. Yes, absolutely. And you want to talk about a hangover cure? Look at a baby in a drunkenomics bib, 
right? I mean, that, I mean, how does that not instantly clear your hangover? I mean, that's seriously, I mean, that's just like a breathtaking scene stealing thing. Absolutely. Oh you're, just gonna, you're just gonna be like, I just need to see, I just need to see what that kid does with their life. Oh my gosh, man. Point. Like, that would, that would make me, I, I could be in so much pain and that would just make me in such a great mood. I'm also baby crazy right now, but anyways, moving on. <laughs> um, we are also bartenders by trade, so if you want to leave a tip in the tip jar, you can reach us at p a t r e o n c o m slash drunkenomics d o u n k n m i c s. From there, you can uh, keep the lemons fresh, the liquor cabinet stocked, the Isla Scott ice smoky, frozen. Uh, ice frozen, the lights on, whatever it is. Uh, seriously, anything there is greatly appreciated. Anything with the merch is also wonderfully appreciated and seriously on top of that if you don't mind you know leave us a review um i yeah. love hearing feedback from you guys i want to know what we could be doing better what we it helps us it helps us get better it helps people find us it helps us find people yeah uh, absolutely makes it a good time yeah seriously so thank you so much uh love drinking with all of you guys seriously this is the highlight of movie every single week but with that my encouragement to you as we take on the rest of the week is to continue to fill and kill don't brag, just say. Always play chess when everyone else is playing checkers, but most importantly, do what's that one thing again, James? I just, just gotta stay drunk and amical, guys. That's what it is. Cheers, my friend. <laughs>